Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What was a worse decision than the Saints signing Brandon Browner? You not supporting Saints Happy Hour. You need to become a patron so you can get access to the best Saints podcast every day. Patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items, and you can get Saints Happy Hour ad-free by becoming a patron. That's right. Patrons get access to every show ad-free. No ads ever. So do it. Go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up today. That's saintshappyhour.com. All right. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Daily. Who that? Who that? All right, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Andrew, we're giving them two today. That's why we're the best Saints podcast in the world. Patrons, sign up to become an annual patron and get yourself the 2021 Saints season survival mug. Uh, They're going fast. They're hotcakes. Do it so you can get it uh, before the season starts. Andrew, today, day seven of Saints training camp, Marcus, two first, was wrecking fools he had four sacks he must have done horrible horrible things to james hurst well i was gonna say they let uh teron armstead that's uh, this one out and clearly <laughs> that's a sign of things to come if something happens to armstead so teron please don't get hurt please take more days off it's fine yeah uh but yeah i his mean, agent is going to play the t- when he's when he negotiates with Mickey Loomis, he's not going to play tape of Armstead blocking dudes into the next season. He's going to play this tape of Davenport wrecking James Hurst and be like, pay me well, all the Here's money. the thing. Like, James Hurst is not garbage. You know, like, No, he's not. He's, pro- he's about as good as it gets for a backup left tackle. And, you know, obviously you got to help him and you got to game plan around his weaknesses if he has to pinch, pitch start for you at left tackle. Yeah. But – it's not like we're talking about, you know, some dude playing out of position like Senio Calamete, you know, trying to hack it at left, left tackle. Like, that's Hurst is a tackle, you know? And so I think that just goes to show when Davenport is motivated and feeling healthy and everything's kind of in alignment for him, that's how much of a freak he is. I mean, if you, if you give him a sub Pro Bowl quality tackle, He's gonna eat them for lunch, and that's what well, we saw today. Well, so Pey- he, he still got it. Peyton talked about it. He was a little subdued about Marcus Davenport, but you could see that he he gives a little little glimpses about them being excited about it. Number one, he's healthy. He's active. I think he's having a good camp. You know, we're still one week in, but um, he's doing a good job. He's very explosive, and uh, and I would say he's been a little bit more consistent. And so we just did our first, you know, evening long kind of meeting on personnel the other night and uh it's been positive with him 
I think Ryan Nielsen was probably in the meeting last night. It was like, Davenport, he stays healthy. He's going to get me a defensive coordinator job. That's what he's going to get me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can hear it in Sean Payton's voice. Like, it's just a week. He's explosive. He's, he's healthy. Early. You know, so it's, this is all the things we talk about. Davenport, it's like, it, we, it's, we've said this on this podcast. Either he's healthy or either he's good or he's not healthy. Like the, those are the two things with Davenport, and that's how his career has been, and that that's how the season's going to be. He's either going to be good or he's going to be hurt. And you know, right now he's healthy, but you can hear it in Sean Payton's voice a little bit. It's just like that's great that the first week of camp he's showing out a little bit, but like it's really can he have sustained stretches of this as the regular season starts? That's always been the the million dollar question with him. And so we'll see. I mean, I, I would expect him to be showing out at this point because he's had all off season. He's not hurt. So like, you know, that that's the difference between a guy like him who's supremely talented and a guy like Cam Jordan, who as the season progresses and as he gets more banged up, he seems to get better. And that's always been the opposite for Davenport. So yeah. we'll see. I, I'm kind of like, muted excitement on him until it, we're actually playing games and he's doing that stuff. Well, I want to say this. I was glad to see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson get into the act of the Saints secondary humiliating the wide receivers on a daily basis. He nearly had a pass. He nearly intercepted a pass today that was attended for Marcus Calloway. Although, by the way, guy we haven't talked about, but uh, different media people mention him all the time. Andrew Dowell? He's... Gets yeah. good right up. Christian Ringo had a sack today, so um, it's all uh, it's all good things for the for the uh, for the defense. Um, well, you know, with the defensive tackles, it's interesting because it feels like it's a different dude each day. Like we've heard, yeah. we haven't heard Malcolm Roach as much, but we've heard a lot about Jalen Dalton now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard some about Ringo today. Uh, Albert Huggins has been mentioned a couple times. Josiah Bronson. So like. I feel like it's a different defensive tackle that's being named every day. And to me, that's really good because that's a position we don't love the depth and we're not really sure. So, like, if it's a different dude showing up every day and flashing, that means they got maybe more talent than we expected in there. So, to me, that's a really good sign. Uh, yeah, Andrew Dowell is mentioned almost every day. And, you know, we already know he's a pretty good special teams player because that's how he's made the roster in the past and he's played in some games for the Saints. So, if on top of that, he's looking good and the 11-on-11s, 11 especially with tackling, then that's a guy that I think probably makes the team because you already figure he's a special teams guy, and if he can give you some depth too, um, then, you know. May, he may end up being what we thought we had in Chase Hansen. Oh, oldie but goodie. Who, who, by, who, by the way, I haven't heard a damn thing about Chase Hansen. No. He was – we need to have a off – like a – there's like – off-season star, mini-camp star, training camp superstar. Uh, Chase Hansen, he was, like, a, just off-season. Like, they weren't even practicing. They were just doing, like, virtual mini-camps. And they're like, Chase Hansen, he's looking, he's looking good. He was he was very attentive in the Zoom today. Like, it was based on, like, nothing, yeah. I don't think. Um, the other thing that Sean Payton mentioned today that I thought was interesting, because um, – you know, we've gone from the daily videos of Jameis doing his weird workouts in the offseason to 
we're getting like a clip almost every day of him being goofy at training camp. Today he was dancing to the to some music at camp. Yesterday he ran through the I don't know what you call it the sled where they the the pads hit you and he like stumbled through. He looked like me coming out of F and M's when I was 25 in New Orleans, just like stumbling out of the the bar. But uh, Sean Payton said that's fine, and he doesn't he let he let the quarterbacks uh, be themselves. The last thing we want to do is like change who they are, their personality. Drew was a certain... Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Personality, Jameis, he's wired a certain way, no different than Taysom. Um, So there's been no uh, formula for what you have to have. The hard work is necessary. The attention to detail is necessary. But, you know, our league has seen a history of all sorts of personalities at that position. And uh, I think the first mistake would be trying to be someone other than yourself. Like Bobby Hader. We knew his personality. We knew his personality. I was probably more like genius. Huh? I don't want to be presumptuous, but... The video of number two's uh, going through the make that way into the team meeting, going through the, the fumble. So I didn't see it, but my assistant Kevin did, and uh, it's probably in a file somewhere. He showed it to me, so it, it wasn't. Um, it's not going to. Certainly not going to make the, the manufacturer of gauntlets file. Yeah, stumbling out the gauntlet, man, looking like me. But Andrew, that's a good. That's a the thing that I always find very interesting about Sean Payton is he cares about attention to detail and working hard and all aspects of everything. But he also is like, if you do these things that I ask of you, you can be as goofy as a son of a bitch as you want to be. Yeah, it's funny. Like he's right about wanting people to be themselves. I was just thinking if I. If, if you tried to be me, I think you could actually probably pull it off for a little bit on this podcast. Like if you, if you just try to <laughs> keep it more straight laced, more serious, occasional jokes, but more like even tempered, I think you could pull it off for a little while. Me trying to be you would be yeah. a freaking disaster. No. Um, but uh, I, look, I mean, this is uh, true in all sports. I mean, they used to tell me this in tennis uh, and, you know, there's a million different ways that win a tennis match you can and and you know that was the thing about my coaches is they always embraced the kind of different styles that each game had you, know, you had some guys that served in volley some guys were baseliners some guys had a power game you can build and i think it's true in football it's true in all all things 
you, you can be successful in a lot of different ways. And it's, you know, there is no common denominator in terms of personality at the quarterback position that's been successful. And I, but I, I would go even a step further and I would say the skill set varies too. It's not just the personality. Like we've seen Russell Wilson win a Super Bowl. We've seen Ben Roethlisberger win a Super Bowl. We've seen Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl. We've hmm. seen Breeze be one of the best. We've seen Brady, who's much taller. Neither of those guys are very mobile. Uh, Elway is much more mobile. Steve Young is much, the lefty, much more mobile. So like different sh- size. I mean, Cam Newton's been MVP. So like, I'm just saying, well, I just mentioned a lot of quarterbacks that stylistically are very different in how, how they are defined as elite or very good or have had MVP seasons or whatever. And so it's totally true. I mean, you can be successful in different ways. And I think the worst thing that not only the Saints as an organization could do, but us as I would extend it to us as fans is to expect either of these guys to be Drew Brees on or off the field. Like, I just don't think that's a fair expectation to place on them. And, you know, unfortunately for them, they're kind of stepping into a standard that's been set for the last 16 years that we've all been blessed and spoiled to witness. And on the other side of it, it's going to be different. And I think as fans, like we have to embrace that. Like whether it's Jameis and his personality or Taysom, who's, uber religious, pretty stoic, pretty positive, pretty even keel. To me, that's a little bit less fun than Jameis, but like at the same time, if like that's what makes him successful, you embrace it, you know? And so I I just think it, I I think that's really astute. Like you want your head coach. You want the guy that's calling the plays. You want the guy that's making the decision about which one of these two is going to lead this team to be, in, in in the position of power because I think that's just like yep. a really smart way to look well, at I, it where you're not trying to force someone because too many coaches Ralph there's so many coaches out there that are like this is the system it right. always works for me and if you're if I if I'm not if I can't square peg round hole you into this then I'll find someone else and I just think those are the coaches like maybe they get a talented guy and it's a good fit and it works but eventually it blows up in their face. You know, and there's a there is a you can probably find it on ESPN.com somewhere. It's it's been running this week. It's uh, Jeremy Fowler uh, from uh, from ESPN. He talked. He did an interview with Jameis, and one of the things that Jameis talked about his gro- and they were talking about growing and getting better. He said one of the things with the Saints that he learned from Drew Brees is that the Saints have this collabor- collaboration process, and he noticed it. He noticed it with Drew. He said, but he, but he said, I really noticed it when Taysom started four games last year. Taysom would be like, I don't like that. I don't like that play. And the Saints would be like, oh, you don't like that? We, we won't run it. We'll run this. You like this? Okay, we'll run that. And he said he hadn't, didn't really have that places. Now, maybe Tampa changed because Tom Brady told Bruce Arians to go to hell. I'm Tom Brady. Run, run what I want, right? And they started doing that at the end of last year. But <clears throat> I think that is a, another thing that Sean Payton has and that – yeah, he's the boss, and he's going to run his offense, but he's also going to listen to his freaking quarterback. When his quarterback says, I love these plays, I don't like this one, he's going to be, okay, you don't like that? We'll run something else. Like, it, it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a flexibility and a collaboration that also, when people feel heard at any job, I don't care, you ask anybody, 
who's the best boss I've ever had, who's the worst boss, I guarantee you, when you talk about people that the worst boss, they're always like, that per- they didn't freaking listen to me. They didn't implement my ideas. They didn't take my input seriously. They didn't do what I, what I thought was best and, and even acknowledge it. And, and that's in any job. But I think especially in football, where you're graded so harshly every week, did you win or did you lose? I think for Sean Payton, it's, it's probably that and his just – ability to always wanting to adapt and change and try new things. I think those are probably his two best qualities as a coach. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, there's a book, I mean, if you're interested in business building and getting better, there's a great book called good to great. There's another one called the advantage. These are, there's a few others, but these are all books that I've read as I manage a team, you know, in my real job and try to get better. And like all of these concepts, as I read about them, it's insane how many of these apply to Sean Payton? Yeah, it really and truly, you read all of them and it's just like, let people feel heard. Allow them to have a collaborative part in the process. Uh, hold them accountable. Uh, you know, care, emp- you be empathetic with your people, but be demand greatness and, and be clear about expectations and, and follow up on those. And, and, and when people don't deliver, uh, be you know, sensitive to them, but, but be strict and be, be, be clear about what the intentions are. And I, I don't know. I just feel like everything you just said are all these concepts I've read in these books and it all applies to Sean Payton. So I do see him as, and I, that this is why he's elite. This is part of why he's so good yet. Yes. The, the game planning and the attention to detail and, and, and the play calling and just how, he moves his chess pieces against other defensive coordinators. He's obviously great at that, but I think an NFL coach is such a difficult job because it requires you to be good at so many things. And I just think he's a great boss. And sometimes being a great boss is being very demanding. And sometimes it's making people uncomfortable and sometimes it's making them hate you only to realize later in the process that he's just doing what's best for them. Right. So that that's all sometimes difficult, you know, to kind of navigate that. I feel like he does a really good job of it and no one's perfect. But again, I I think Sean Payton, we're lucky to have him. And, uh, you know, these guys, this team, like they're going to need him more than ever, because this is here's the thing about this year. He's got to be dialed in. And I don't know that he always has been. I mean, you go back and you read uh, Jeff Duncan's book, uh, you know, Breeze and Pey- Peyton and Breeze, um, he talks about how there were times where Sean Payton wavered. And this was around the time of his divorce. And, you know, he was flying back and forth to Houston. And uh, there was a bunch of kind of problems between him and Loomis because Loomis was involved with the Pelicans. And Sean Payton was really unhappy about that, about his role with the Pelicans, because he felt like it was a distraction. And so there was a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of discord between those two. And then on top of that, I think he was distracted by all this pull that was coming in his personal life away from the football field. And actually, there's a tidbit in in the book where it talks about how Zach Streif kind of sat him down as a leader on the team. And, you know, I think Breeze was maybe a little bit too close to it. And so he had trouble just calling him out. And so Zach Streif sat him down as a leader on the team. It was like, you know, Sean, we used to do this stuff. We don't do this anymore. And like, you're late to meetings sometimes like that used to be unacceptable, like all these things. 
And in the book, it says like Zach Streep was a little nervous because he didn't know how Sean Payton was going to receive that. And he said that in the book, it says that Sean Payton listened to every word that Zach Street said. He took out a notepad. He wrote everything down. And there was one item of all the things that Zach Streep gave him where he was like, that's bullshit. And he gave him a reason why. But everything else... He internalized it. He accepted it. What was that? What was the reason that was bullshit? Did they? Did they uh, say- it, it doesn't say in the book. It doesn't say in the book. It just <laughs> says that it, there was one thing that Sean Payton disagreed with. But otherwise, you know, he kind of went to work, and and the changes were almost instant, instantaneous. That and so that's the thing. Like for a team leader to come to their coach and for a coach to receive that feedback, and, and I just want to point out, like. An extension of this, all the turmoil that was happening between Peyton and Loomis at that time, Loomis almost let him go. Like it was, it, they were going to trade him. Uh, he came very close to going to the Rams, the 49ers. Remember, there was that offseason mm-hmm. where he almost left. And at the end of the day, Loomis decided to mend fences with Peyton. And, you know, not, not that they were enemies, but like, you know, they were great colleagues and they had respect for each other, but like things were not as great as they have always been at mm-hmm. that time. And this is right, you know, when they were in the midst of the second kind of seven and nine stretch that they were having, and it would have been very easy. This is when relationships break up, you know, and it, this is when egos come into That's play right. and GMs and head coaches don't mend fences and, and they go their different ways because they feel like things have gotten stale. But instead, Mickey Loomis kind of dug in his heels and he said, no, you know what? I still believe in Sean Payton. You know, I have a duty to humble myself and figure this relationship out and make it work. And we, we can we can rebound and we can build something great together still. And so I just want to point out, like, the example of Mickey Loomis and how he handled himself in that situation, the example of Zach Streif coming to Sean Payton and him being receptive you know, there's an important need for humility and the ability to just kind of adapt when things aren't working. And I think to me, that's what's maybe the most, I mean, I know I'm kind of going off the rails here, but maybe the most remarkable thing about this relationship between Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton, and just the people in the Saints building, and this is why you should feel so good about the culture, is that they have weathered storms by showing humility and I, I just think it's so easy in an era just like where there's so much money and there's so much power how many times do we see politicians other nfl coaches other nfl gms whatever let it get to their head and eventually they fail and yeah. you know sean payton and mickey loomis like they're not just gonna like ride this to infinity eventually they'll fail and eventually it'll either they'll retire or They'll get fired. Like it all comes to an end for everybody, but it's pretty remarkable uh, their adaptability because it's led to the stretch they've had. Ralph Marlbro here from Saints Happy Hour. You need to join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room app. We are talking Saints or anything New Orleans sports related. On Spotify Green Room, you can interact with us by asking questions or just laugh at me mispronouncing names. Download the Spotify Green Room on your iPhone or Android device, then follow Saints Happy Hour so you can join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. to talk Saints or anything else NOLA sports related. So do it. Download Download the Spotify Green Room app and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. We'll see you there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it would have been really easy for Peyton, for Sean Payton to be like Zach Streif. I'm the coach of Saints. 
I won the Lombardi. You see that ring you got? That's me. Uh, get out of here. And oh, by the Mickey, Mickey Loomis, trade yeah. me. San Francisco is going to pay me $9.5 million. I'm done with this. Like, that's... That's look, look. You want to, you want, you want, you want the the obvious answer. Jimmy Johnson is going into Canton this weekend. It's the Hall of Fame game. The Cowboys are playing. He built maybe besides the Patriots the best dynasty of the last thirty years. Let's say because the San Francisco dynasty was really the eighties, right, Andrew? Jimmy Johnson yeah. built that, and him and Jerry Jones. Couldn't get along, and they won three Super Bowls out of four years. But I bet you if they'd have had Jimmy Johnson stay longer, they'd have won more. You know? And they couldn't keep it together. Well, and Jer- Jerry, Jer- Jerry Jones has said since then, he said, yeah, I made a mistake. One of my biggest mistakes, I think he said, was letting Jimmy Johnson go. And I should have never done it. And you know, now he lives with regret because he's seen what's on the other side of that. And I do think Mickey Loomis – has probably learned from that a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I don't know. It's easy to get pissed off at people. This isn't all like walks of life. It's easy to get frustrated with someone you've been around with for a long time and kind of lose sight of the reasons why you, the relationship is good for each other and why, why it worked for so long. And it's easy to let the success kind of go to your head and think that you don't need anybody else that like, I, I can do this all on my own, but I don't know. I always find it remarkable when people are able to kind of sort through their differences and, and plow through. But, you know, I, I think credit to Tom Benson and Gail Benson, what they've created, too. is That's the thing I hate about sports. And I would say European soccer, Ralph, is the fucking worst with that shit because you see coaches like PSG does this all the time in England. In England, it happens all the time, too. They don't win Champions League. They fire the coach. It's ridiculous. Like they'll win their league. They'll win the French Cup but they don't win Champions League. They go to the finals or the semis, and they fire their coach. Rinse, repeat. And I just feel like at PSG, coaches never last more than two years. They're fired, and they're winning all these trophies, and they get fired anyway because they're not getting along with Neymar or whatever. And in England, it happens all the time too. And so you've got this group of like what are considered the five or six elite coaches in soccer, and they keep switching teams every That's two right. years. It's freak. It's freaking hey, bananas, uh, man. There's no job stability whatsoever. And the NFL is a little bit better, but not much. I, I'm telling you this, Andrew. I'm an Everton fan, and they're not on PSG's level with Champions League stuff. Since 2013, Everton's had eight coaches when you count the interims. Like it's, they it's just it, it's 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 incredible and. I'm just the, like you know, so the culture in that sport is just like and it's the same thing with players like the minute you're not playing the minute like there, there's a little bit of adversity oh you got to change teams you yeah. got to go somewhere else and, and it's like there's no and it's kind of college football has become that way the minute like you lose a starting job to the other dude transfer portal immediately you know or the minute like things are getting a little tough I oh, go somewhere else you can play and like on some level, I get it because athletes want to play. They don't want to sit on the bench. And, you know, if you're not going to start at LSU or Alabama, maybe you go to, you know, some, I don't know, you, you go to some smaller school for a year, try to rebuild your reputation. And then you go back to the transfer portal and then you maybe go to West Virginia or Texas or something, you know, a bigger program, but not Alabama. And I don't know, like maybe that's best for the player's development, but 
I, I just think so often in sports now, you're, you're seeing less of guys hang in there and fight through adversity and come out to the other side. So I, I think it's more, I, I value it more when I see it. And I've seen that with Sean Payton. Yeah. So guys, we're Andrew, what are, what do we, the saints play next Saturday. So we are yeah. nine days away, or nine days, nine, yep. nine days away from actual saints football. And we are going to do a pregame show Friday night on Twitch and we're still trying to figure out what preseason game we're going to live stream on Twitch. You can join us. We'll be cutting up the entire game. Uh, we're trying to figure out that with Thomas and our schedules and that sort of thing. But, guys, thanks for supporting the show. We are trying to well, give you... I, there, there's a there's a couple other things I wanted to mention real quick, Ralph. So, Go. it sounded like the quarterbacks real quick uh, did not have a great practice no, today. No, defense, defense, uh, defense this, this today, was, Yeah, it was defense, defense. So, like... They want to bring him to camp. He looks like a star of the day for the Saints. Sorry, uh, you guys probably wanted to hear more about that and less of me rambling about that tangent, so apologies. (laughs) But, uh, no, I I just want to point out the quarterbacks have been pretty solid up until now. And so, you know, back down the reality a little bit. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. But uh, I, I think as we get to this preseason game, Ralph, What's the most important thing that you think we can see as fans next Saturday? And I'm talking about the first game. Oof, it's hard. It's hard to say because I I feel like with the first, it you never know. Like the first game, we've been so in this in this mode with Breeze the last you know probably 14 years, maybe not even the first year. He didn't play that. He, he didn't play that much in the preseason because his, his shoulder was still getting right. But we've been so in this mode with Drew Brees, like the first game, he might not even play, right? Or if he plays a series. In the second game, he plays a series. And then the third game, he kind of get warmed up. It's going to be curious to me how they how, how Sean Payton manages it and how he does the starters and mixes and matches. That depends on what I want to see. But the main thing I really want to see, the main thing that will concern me is if their wide receivers are just sucking balls in these games against backups, against whoever, if they don't have any of their wide receivers at some point making plays, even if it's Quan Baker in the fourth quarter, right, against the scrubs, be like, hey, he's making plays. Maybe give him some reps with the second team. Maybe give him a shot with the first team. I'll be – I want to see somebody at receiver doing stuff. And I don't even – my expectations are so low, Andrew. I don't even care when it is in the game. Like, that's what I want to see. See, I'm not as worried about that. Like, I think that'll be fine. And the reason I say that is I I just expect that at some point, like the Saints have enough receivers on their team that are candidates to be a number three or a number four. Like, to me, that's what they have. They have a bunch of number threes and number fours. So, like, at some point, third quarter, fourth quarter, eventually guys are going to flash, and they may get fans overexcited about them. And it's important to remember – they're going up against scrubs. They're getting covered by guys. And by the way, the defensive scheme, they're not they're not scheming for individual players. They're not looking at what kind of routes they're good at versus bad at. They're just running simple coverages and not a whole lot of tape Andrew, watching game Andrew, I don't take into account shit. All I take into account is they kicked our ass today. That's what I take into account. I hear you, I, but I'm just saying, like, I'm confident. <laughs> you're confident you're going to see 
I just think Quan Baker, like one of these dudes will make a play. Like I, to me, that's going to happen. Um, but I, I think what will carry way more weight is if Jameis is making plays with Callaway and Trey Quan in the first quarter to me, cause, cause, cause you know, Quan Baker making a play against a UDFA, that's great. But like, if he makes the team and he's actually playing in a real game, he's going to be going up against a second round pick. That's a fourth round. That's a four year veteran, you know, like that, that's who's going to be covering, not some fucking dude that's going to be cut and playing in the Canadian football league in a year. You know what I'm saying? So like, to me, like how this team does in the first quarter in the opening series. And I don't know who it's going to be Taysom or Jameis to start, but I think how the first, I'll say how the first three drives go offensively is kind of what I'm going to be looking at the closest. Yeah. I'll be interested to see next week because it's a preseason game. I'll be interested to see when Sean Payton tells us who's going to start in the preseason game. Is he going to be super secretive with that as well? Like, you know, because it's like there's reason for him not to be because it's a preseason game. And he could be like, hey, Taysom's going to start this week. James is going to start next week. We're going to alternate him, blah, blah, blah. He could do it any way he wants. But I'll just be interested. Like, does he does he does he drop that on like Tuesday, Wednesday? Or does he hold it out until Friday afternoon and then drop it? So I'll I'll, I'll be interested. That'll be yeah, something. Yeah, the timing, the timing will be. I agree. I agree yeah. with you. I got my money. I got my money. My betting favorites to break the news. I got... Diana Rossini at three to one, and I got Nick at eight to five to break the quarterback news next week. That's that's my uh, mm. that's, that's my wagers for that. So, <clears throat> patrons, thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting us. We have an ama- we have an amazing year planned for you. You, we're the best podcast. I made this one free, but it's only on Patreon. So if you're listening to this on Patreon, become a freaking patron of this podcast. Sign up. Become an annual patron. Get your booze bundle. Get your Saints survival mug. It's amazing. You should do it. We have the best Saints community anywhere. So for Andrew, I'm Ralph. We will see you again uh, on the big show uh, Sunday night. <laughs>